having his spirit dwell in our hearts and to live with him and to walk with his Holy Spirit. Just to remind us about the weekly programs, we have a service soon after this in Tamil and uh, Sunday school for children and Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock. Please come in the evening also. Fellowship for women on Tuesdays at 11 and uh, fellowship for the youth on Saturday at 6. Uh, this month we would not be having the uh, fasting prayer because uh, this week also you might be wondering why all this changed suddenly it looks like you know we are on the pulpit side and the pastor standing on the congregation side <laughs> yeah whichever side we may sit or stand doesn't matter isn't it for some people it's very difficult um, but it's all because we are just doing some renovation um, and expansion work here uh, one thing is we just moved out and done some electrical work on that side and um, and and we're building a small room on this side outside there at the back and um, we're going to be opening up that wall near that glass shutter um, and um, it's going to be a small space there and sending off all these guys out there um, so that we just can have a little more space uh, and we'll get back uh, to our old setting uh, again after a few weeks. And so because they're going to be doing some construction work there this week also. Uh, that's why we had to do this arrangement and we will go with this for a few weeks. And so because this work is going to be going on this week um, and Saturday would be the day to clean up the place. Uh, it takes a whole day to uh, clean up because the whole place becomes dusty. And um, so yesterday, I think there were almost about eight or ten of them working here, and uh, many of you were here as well. And uh, some of them from the Tamil congregation were here, and they were all uh, we were cleaning together and took a whole day to set it back and uh, uh, make it ready for the service uh, today. And so because of that, uh, we would not be able to have the fasting prayer on Saturday. But I really encourage all of us to pray at home, get together as your family together, your husband, your wife, children, parents, to all together. Um, or if you're the only person who is born again in your family, uh, set apart that time <coughs> on uh, Saturday morning to just uh, spend some time in prayer. Uh, would you sit down and just pray and seek the Lord and ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit and uh, uh, receive from the Lord? Uh, and definitely God would uh, speak to you, God would minister to you as you spend time alone in God's presence, either alone or together as a family. Uh, do that and that will really help um, spend time in God's presence. Amen. So let's go on to God's word. Uh, shall we turn our Bibles to the prophecy of Hosea? The prophecy of Hosea. When we began... Um, the service this morning, Pastor talked about experiencing or having the spirit of a prophet. Having the spirit of a prophet. And uh, that was the same um, spirit that I uh, have come with this morning as well. Um, and uh, Stephen also, as he was leading us in this time of worship, was speaking a lot from the prophecy of Jeremiah and what the Lord is speaking to his people. I believe that it's very important for us to read through the Old Testament 
as well. Many of us are very familiar with the Gospels and with uh, some portions of uh, the epistles of Paul and John and Peter. Uh, very often we only go through Psalms and Proverbs in the Old Testament. Probably some of us like Genesis quite a bit because it has a lot of very exciting stories from creation and all of that. But um, it looks like many of the prophetic books uh, seem to be a great mystery. What is he saying? Judah, Samaria, Jezreel, this, that, Jehosh, you know, Jehoshiah and Hezekiah and all these big names and people and places and uh, many, many things. You know, it sounds very confusing. It sounds like um, Greek and Hebrew, uh, even though it's all in English on your own, uh, you know, vernacular language. But what God is speaking uh, is through the prophets, he's enforcing the law. He's basically helping them to understand uh, what he expects. He is helping them to um, understand that he desires love. He desires worship. He desires full devotion to him. He's helping them to know who he is and what uh, he has spoken to them in the past, what he has done for them in the past, and calling them to himself, calling them to return to him. The whole message of the prophets throughout the Old Testament is calling people to God, calling people to God's standards. God uh, is also speaking about things that are going to come. The moment we hear the word prophet or prophecy, we always think about something that is going to be foretold that is going to happen in our lives. Yes, it involves the foretelling of what God is going to do, but it also is so often forthtelling or telling forth the word of God, speaking forth the inspired or the revealed word. The uh, prophets of old, uh, prophet Moses, you know, and uh, many of them revealed God's word. They revealed God's standards. They spoke about God's laws, decrees, standards, what he is expecting from people and how they ought to live. And all those things that God revealed, God is enforcing and bringing to remembrance and calling them to follow. And so the prophets are there as um, more of doing a shepherding task, more of doing a shepherding task, a very pastoral role. And today we have dichotomized or separated, compartmentalized each role of ministry and saying this is a pastoral ministry, this is an evangelistic ministry, this is a prophetic ministry. He will just prophesy. He will only lead the church and conduct services. He would uh, teach, he's a teacher, he teach in Bible colleges, a teacher is pushed over to Bible colleges, he's put in an institution into a compound. A prophet is, they're just prophesying house to house, place to place, just telling people about, you know, whom they will marry or where they will live or what they will do in life. And many others are uh, prophesying or uh, sp speaking things about, uh, uh, you know, uh, very, very silly things. You know, God is telling you uh, not to wear this color dress. God is telling you, you know, all kinds of things you see in the world, abuse of the ministry of a prophet. But primarily, if you look at scripture, the ministry of a prophet is telling forth God's word. He's calling people back to God, return to God. That is the role of a prophet. 
today we see prophets only prophesying about what will happen for somebody only talking about what they should do or what they should wear or where they should go whom they should marry or what job they should take can i take this job or can i take that job can i say yes to my boss or no to my boss um you know it's an abuse of the ministry of prophets um we need to have a clarity and a good understanding of these things uh why am i saying this is because as we're going to read through the book of uh, uh the prophecy of hosea we need to understand that when we are reading we are not talking about a foretelling he's not foretelling alone he's telling forth god's word what god spoke to his people the instructions he gave them the laws he gave them the way of life he called them to follow he's calling them back to it calling them back to it and so uh, when you understand this that these men were doing more the role of shepherding people shepherding the people of israel they were helping them Uh, they were shaping their lives they were guiding them in the ways of the lord they were calling them to follow god they were calling them to repentance they were calling them to the ways of god they were correcting them and and god was speaking through them words of correction words of discipline words of encouragement words of restoration words of reconciliation and uh, it was all about their relationship with god that was the if you go through the whole uh, all of the prophecies and in essence you will find that this is all about the relationship with god amen hallelujah and so when you have that understanding and you'll go through the prophets the books of the prophets uh, you will be able to understand and 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 have clarity on what god is speaking to his people and so with that in mind let's go on to some of the charges that god is raising to the people of israel this morning we're going to be looking at the charges that god is raising to the people of israel which he wants them to answer he's raising some charges he's exposing them uh, to the reality of who they are and where they are in their lives this is what a prophet does and so i believe that this morning and um, several times where we uh, share god's word we are not just in a position of a pastor but also carry the position of a prophet uh, a prophet not in the sense of saying thus saith the lord uh, you will go to america and you will build a house and you will meet president trump and he will give you a red rose no that that's that's not the kind of thing that what a prophet speaks a prophet speaks about what god has in his heart for his people and this is what he's speaking through hosea and you find here the three questions that god raises charges that he brings this is not just challenge there's a difference between god bringing forth the challenge and god raising charges when you a policeman when he catches uh law offender um he raises charges he's charged a charge sheet is prepared and uh, sent to the notice is sent to the one who is uh, alleged allegedly convicted not yet declared convict but alleged as a convict assumed that he could be the one who could have done this and then uh, once they have investigated the case and they have 
certainly proven that this is the person who has done this offense and the gravity of the offense is weighed. Then they prepare the charge sheet and it is black and white now. See, this is what you have done. This is the, uh, these are the laws that you have offended. And so Hosea's letter is more like a charge sheet to the people of Israel. And so he's not just bringing some challenge. There are times when God challenges us uh, to go the extra mile, to, uh, to love our enemies or things like that are challenges to, to go and share the gospel, um, challenges. But these are charges in uh, which case he almost has uh, uh, convicted them and said that this is what, uh, these are things that you have uh, to set right. These are areas where you have missed the mark. Charges and, uh, and the role of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Stephen's been talking about uh, where we need to yield ourselves to the fruit of the Spirit. We need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit to develop that fruit in our lives is to bring conviction. It's to bring conviction. But the reason why the world system brings conviction is to punish the offender. But thank God because Jesus has taken our punishment upon himself. And so when the Spirit of God brings conviction, it is not to condemn us and to cast us away, but to bring us back to him, into a relationship with him and to build us up. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the work of uh, the Spirit of God that works through us as we stand uh, with God's word and carrying the words of the prophets and speaking forth the words of the prophets. It is our role, it is our responsibility to help us to see, help us to understand, to explain to us what the Lord has spoken through his prophets to his people. And the same holds good for us even as we break it down this morning. And so three quick questions for us from the prophecy of Hosea. What spirit do you have? Question number one, what spirit do you have? There was a certain spirit that was operating amongst the people of Israel. What spirit do you have? Second question, what symptoms do you see? What symptoms do you see? What are the external manifestations? What are the outcomes of our lives? What are you seeing? What is going on? What's happening in life? There are many things that are happening, but what are the visible things that are seen? What are the outcomes? And uh, are they good? Are they um, from God? Are these outcomes from God? Or are they just some consequences of our own faults? What are the outcomes? What are we seeing in our lives? Is it good? Are you seeing thing, good things coming out? Um, or is it not so good? What symptoms do you see? Third question. What steps will you take? What steps will you take? That's the challenge that God is placing before them and he's in fact feeding them the, the words in their mouth. That's amazing. God feeds words into the mouths of his people through the prophet to saying, uh, he, he says, this is what you ought to do. Some steps, what steps would you take? But the ultimate conclusion of the matter is this, and it's not a question, it's a matter of something that finishes with an exclamation mark. And it goes this way, what a satisfying assurance. Amen. Hallelujah. There's always a good outcome when God speaks. Amen. There's always a good outcome when God speaks. There's always a good assurance when God speaks. But he wants us to also 
understand his ways, his word and uh, live by them. Number one, quickly, what spirit do you have? The charges that God is bringing and calling them to answer, questioning them, putting forth strong questions, questions that will pertain to the conscience, that will uh, prick the conscience, questions that will, uh, you know, disturb us from our comfort zone. Hosea chapter 4 and verses 10 to 12, we read. Hosea chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution, to old wine and new, which take away the understanding of my people. They consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. A spirit of prostitution is operating amongst the people of Israel. What is the spirit of prostitution? This is not uh, like what you see uh, in the world today in the, some areas which uh, have these kind of things where there are immoral activities that happen, that are practiced. Of course, they were there as well. But the spirit of prostitution, which uh, God is speaking here, is not just about, uh, um, you know, selling their bodies to immoral activities. But this spirit of prostitution is where they have prostituted themselves to things that are not God's. They have um, been unfaithful to God. It's a matter of faithfulness. And you, if you also read uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. This is the spirit of prostitution. No faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God. Now, you need to remember they also are calling on the name of the Lord. They are also celebrating their feasts and festivals. They are also offering their sacrifices to God. They are doing that as well. But yet, they do not have the right spirit. They are not faithful. They do not truly love God the way they should. And they do not acknowledge the Lord. In other words, they are doing it as a lip service more as a ritual, more as a customary thing. They are accustomed to doing this because they for generations have done this. But now they are uh, not doing it from their hearts. And God is charging Israel. As, there's a lack of a spirit of genuine faithfulness to God. They are also bowing down to idols. They are calling on the name of God Jehovah and also doing some of the practices of the neighboring nations. Their love is not sincere. It is a superficial love. It is a, a love that is just, uh, you know, very, very uh, simple and uh, very casual. It is uh, a very rarely expressed love. Once in a while when they come together for the feast, the festivals, they are, it looks like they are loving God. It looks like they are praising God. They are saying a few words of love. And uh, he's speaking here in chapter 4, verse 1. There's no acknowledgement of God in the land. No acknowledgement of God in the land. In other words, their dependency on God is lost. They're no more dependent on him. And you will see as we go through this message this morning, these uh, three things, as we read in chapter 4 and verse 1, you will find these three things uh, very much 
you know, broken down, explained by the prophet Hosea. And remember, the prophet Hosea, uh, history says that he was probably one of the longest uh, surviving uh, prophets who served for a very long period of time, probably for about 80, 90 years, prophesying. Um, and uh, he has seen several kings. He's lived through the life of several kings of both Israel and Judah. You know, Israel and Ju Israel separated into two kingdoms after the time of Solomon and became Israel and Judah. The ten tribes uh, went with Israel and the two tribes of Judah. And you find that from then on, the kings who ruled both these, this divided nation of Israel, they were always going away from the Lord. The kings led them astray. The prophets did not prophesy the word of God. In fact, during the time of Jeremiah, many of the prophets who were prophesying to Israel, there were many others other than Jeremiah. And many of them were saying, peace, peace, while God was speaking through Jeremiah and saying, destruction is coming, repent. The true word of God was through Jeremiah, but the false prophets who were also prophesying in the name of God were proclaiming just peace. And this is how the people were made to believe a false message. They were made to believe a message that was not truly from God. They were made to believe a message that was superficial, a message that was just soothing and uh, good for the years to hear. And uh, Jesus uh, while he was going about, he also warned the people of Israel saying, do not believe in false prophets. He warned about sheep, uh, you know, wolves that come in sheep's clothing. He also, the apostle Paul also warned about those at the end times will heap up uh, uh, preachers who will preach to their itching ears what they would like to hear. And so very often you find there are people who are carried away by uh, many, many very wonderful, soothing, uh, you know, messages and preaching and preachers who preach messages about grace, messages about faith, messages about love, messages that sound very good to the ears to hear, things that, uh, you know, uh, speak about, uh, uh, you know, how you can acquire more material things, more, how become more prosperous, how you can grow in your leadership, how you can grow in this, that, and everything else other than the heart of the message that God is speaking to his people all through history. They miss out on the heart or the core aspect of the message of God to his people and speak about everything else. You know, there are... If, you know, it's important that we read scripture really well and understand scripture with the intention of the author. And when you go through it that way, you would find that there are things that God is speaking which are at the peripherals and there is a heart of the message, the central core theme of the message. Hear me well, very carefully. In any prophecy or any passage in scripture, all through the scripture, you will, in the Bible, you will find that there is a core message that God is speaking and there are things that are, he says, which are at the peripherals. In other words, very often, if you grasp the core, if you follow what is at the core, the things that are on the peripherals will also fall into place. You get what I'm saying? For example, a good, simple passage like that for your understanding, I would quote, is from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. How many of you know that? Seek, if first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, that whole passage is talking about do not worry about the things that you need in this world. Right? Do not worry. By worrying, you will not add one 
put to your um, to your stature nothing will add up by worrying and so basically the whole message there is about do not worry but the core point there is but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness but seek first do not worry but what most people would like to excessively focus on and enjoy hearing is do not worry because how he clothes the birds of the air how he feeds the you know birds of the air and how he's going to take care of you but that's what is at the peripheral but the heart of it is seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then you don't you will not worry then you get what i'm saying and so when you look at scripture and very often most people um for all their life would be preaching stuff which are on the peripherals and miss out on the heart and the core of the message and if you always preach things that are on the peripheral it will make you famous it will take you places right that's true because what is at the heart of the message the core of the message is something that people would not like to listen to and god would repeatedly warn prophets like jeremiah and he is also speaking to um you know uh, hosea here and he says you know um anyway that doesn't matter he speaks to hosea and he actually at one place he says how the people would not listen to him he he talks about how the people would not like what he preaches and that's exactly what hosea was preaching how do you like to listen to something which you don't like to listen to ah, i don't like it but that's what we need amen hallelujah that's a very sad amen to that but that's okay but as long as you're willing to listen to whatever god has in store for you and what god wants to speak to us amen do you think it would be better for us to listen to what god is not saying which sounds good or listen to what god is saying which doesn't feel very good to listen to what is better amen it's more better to listen to what god wants to say to us hallelujah amen and so this morning as we're looking at chapter 4 and verse 10 to 12 it talks about a spirit of prostitution we are quest we're looking at the first charge that god is bringing forth the what kind of a spirit do you have the spirit is a spirit of prostitution what is the spirit of prostitution that is what we read in verse 1 where uh, they were unfaithful they are satisfying their own lusts they were living for their pleasure they did not truly love god they said they loved god they uh, did some rituals they performed some customary things according to the requirements of the law but yet their heart was not in it yet they were not wholeheartedly following god the bible talks about joshua and caleb who, uh, who had wholehearted devotion to god there were 12 of them who went and uh, spied the promised land and uh, 10 of them came back with the bad news but two of them came back with a sure confidence in god's word 
in a show confidence in the prophet of the lord is a show confidence in what god is able to do even though we were like grasshoppers and they were all giants there but yet our god is able to deliver us hallelujah they were truly having the heart their heart set on god where they were able to bring forth the right message and the right response to what they saw but the 10 of them came back and said oh no 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 they are all like giants and we are like grasshoppers because they did not have a wholehearted devotion to god and what happened is all of them could not enter the promised land it was after the generation that had come out of egypt had completely died then the next generation was able to enter into the promised land it was not because of them but it was because god was faithful to fulfill his promise even though they were unfaithful to him and so you see a spirit of genuine faithfulness that god is looking for a spirit of sincere love and a complete dependency on god and that is what has come has been lost and now there has come a spirit of prostitution where they have turned themselves over to idols they have lost the first love their love for god is not there anymore they are not faithful to god anymore and they are not dependent on god completely they turned themselves over to their own lust they have turned themselves over to unfaithfulness in chapter 5 and verse 4 we read chapter 5 and verse 4 their deeds do not permit them to return to their god a spirit of prostitution is in their heart they do not acknowledge the lord you see now it is gone too much gone beyond a state of repentance where their deeds are now become a huge hindrance they have gone into a certain lifestyle the hearts have become hardened the heart has become very stony and so what has happened is now their deeds are around them and they live a certain way of life that does not permit them now to turn to god even if god is calling them they are unable to come back to him very often they are pronouncing the name of god they are confessing the name of god they were speaking the name of god but yet their heart was not acknowledging god they were not completely dependent on him they were holding back they were holding back their love for him and they were prostituting the to things that were not gods and today we may not literally bow down to an idol but anything that takes the place of god in our life is an idol anything that replaces god anything that we begin to idolize anything that we begin to enjoy or take pleasure in more than god anything that to which we are more faithful and not to god we are having a spirit of prostitution to anything we love more anyone else we love more than god we having a spirit of prostitution that's a spirit of prostitution what kind of spirit we have is it an unfaithful spirit is a is it a spirit of lack of true genuine sincere love for the lord and remember the first and the greatest commandment that jesus spoke was this love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength that was the first and the greatest commandment and the second is like this he said love your neighbor as yourself and so god is calling us back to him their deeds do not permit them to return to their god in chapter 4 and verse 6 we read my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge i also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your god i also will ignore your children 
Many of them do not realize that the way they reject God and reject the word of God and they do not truly, sincerely, wholeheartedly pursue God the way they ought to and because they are not really in love with God's word and absorbing it and reading it and living by it and they do not realize that if they're, because they're not doing all of these things, they do not realize what kind of an effect it is going to have upon their generations to come. They reject the prophets of God. They reject the servants of God. They reject the fellowship of God's people. They reject the word of God. They reject the word of correction. They reject God's call for them to be coming back to him. And so they go on into a spirit of prostitution. And what happens is that God is saying, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. It will affect our next generation. If we are not sincere to seek the Lord, many don't even like to come to church on a Sunday morning. At least in the previous generation, there was this tradition of Sunday morning means you are in church. If you're a Christian family, you're by default, automatically, it goes without saying. But in this generation, money and love of money and love of pleasure and love of food and love of travel and love for the work and love to please the boss has taken over our lives so much that many Many families do not even make it a point to come on a Sunday morning to worship God when the gathering of God's people is there together. Even that is, is not making sense. Even that is not appealing so much. That even as a tradition is not kept anymore. Even, even though it was just a traditional form where many people just simply went to church because they were Christians and born as Christians and born in a Christian family. And so Sunday means you have to go to church and that, was, that went without saying in many families. But that is not the case anymore in this generation. That is what is called as a spirit of prostitution that is operating, where something else has become attractive, something else has taken priority, something else, someone else, and what they say, and what they expect, the company, the workplace, the job, the, the manager, the boss, what they expect, the work that is expected to be done is more important than God. That's a spirit of prostitution. Yes, we need to work. We need to work to live, to survive. We need to live, we need to work, we need to earn money to live, to survive. We need to earn money to, uh, to eat, to fill our stomachs and to also fill the stomach of our families. Every family member has to be satisfied with food, shelter and clothing. And so we need to work. That's our responsibility. That's our duty and God wants us to do that. But not at the expense of making our work and our money and our other priorities more important than God. Amen. That is how today we can prioritize everything else. We can be going here and there, doing this and that, and then having everything else take its primary place and focus and our thoughts and our minds and our desires and our uh, imaginations can be completely revolving around them and completely forgetting God and saying, oh, 
what do i do what can i do i can't help it this is what i am required to do some people do not even like to ask for one hour permission to their from their boss saying that i want to go to church they do not want to some people won't even like to take a a day break a half a day off to go and worship god they they do not want to say even if i lose my job even if i lose my salary that's fine god will bless me with another one a better one hallelujah amen they do not love god there's a lack of love for god there's a lack of faithfulness there's a lack of complete dependency on god and this is what god is speaking to us and questioning us raising charges against us and saying what kind of a spirit do you have is it a spirit of prostitution they have rejected the law of god they've rejected the knowledge of the word of god many people do not like to even read and understand what is god saying what is god doing what is god expecting of me they do not have the patience to come and sit and listen to god's word oh if you go you know it's taking too long i prefer some other church which has a short service some 1 hour 15 minutes means it will be nice what is this going for 2 hours fasting prayer is for 3 hours how to go and sit for such a long time they cannot say they are right with god if that is a spirit if that is a mindset if those are the thoughts it's a spirit of prostitution it is plain and simple it's simply in black and white no true love no true faithfulness no complete dependency on god it's a spirit of prostitution because god wants complete devotion to him hallelujah look at what he says in chapter 2 in verse number 19 and 20 I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord God is speaking to the people of Israel and he's saying I will betroth you I will betroth you in faithfulness in other words I will put a ring on you on your finger and saying that's it it's sealed the ring is on every time you see the ring it reminds you i belong to him i belong to him i belong to him my first devotion is to him any time he calls i'm there to answer his call any times he texts i'm there to receive his message Any time he speaks I'm willing to respond I'm waiting at the edge of the seat to respond That is what is what what is called betrothal that after this betrothal we are not going to turn our face to look at anyone else not even consider anyone else and say would that be a possibility oh he looks more taller more handsome more fairer he's got more money no we are betrothed to him whatever might look very attractive on the outside with anybody else and any other offers may come we're going to turn down every other offer and say i have been betrothed to god because god has betrothed me to himself 
Hallelujah. You see, now you understand things better. God is saying, this is the kind of spirit that he wants. That's the kind of spirit, a complete devotion. And, and even long before anyone does an act of sin, you see, sin is, gets conceived in the heart if there is a spirit of con, a prostitution. If there is a spirit of prostitution in a person's life, even long before they commit an act of sin, sin gets conceived in them when there is a spirit of prostitution. Read with me in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Hosea 4, 13 and 14. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills under oak and poplar and terebinth where the shade is pleasant. Therefore your daughters turn to prostitutions and your daughters-in-law to adultery. Why are the daughters turning to prostitution and the daughters-in-law turning to adultery? Because there's a spirit of prostitution. When we talk about a spirit of prostitution, it's not just spirit of prostitution that makes a person to go and live that lifestyle like you see in a red light area. But even before that happens, there is a prostitution where they have given themselves over to the gods and goddesses of the neighboring nations. Where they have built up idols and built up pedestals and they're bowing before them and worshipping them. And where they have lost their love for God and they are no more faithful to God. They are not completely dependent on God. And because of that, that is a spirit of prostitution that has come. And that is leading to literal prostitution, to an act of sin. Are you with me this morning? That spirit of prostitution which has happened between them and God that has come into them in their relationship, that is actually leading them to a literal act of sin where their daughters and daughters-in-law are living in adultery. Verse 14, I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution nor your daughters-in-law when they come into adultery because the men themselves consort with the harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes or people without understanding will come to ruin. They do not understanding. They are not understanding the fact that because their relationship with God is not right, that is making everything else to go wrong. Let me repeat that again. Just They don't understand because the, their relationship with God is not all right, that is making everything else to go wrong. Well, they are assuming that their relationship with God is all right. Their relationship with God was not all right. They were not faithful the way they ought to be. They were not truly in love with God. They were not truly listening to God's word and paying attention to the laws of God and living by them. They were not willing to submit to the prophets and the priests and listen to them and hear their instructions and teachings and they were not willing to love God and be completely dependent on him and because of that what has happened is that they've lost their relationship with him there's a different spirit that is operating in them many times there can be a different spirit that can be operating in the lives of some people of God these are the people of God this is the spirit the people of Israel and God is here telling them, I have betrothed you to myself. I'm completely faithful to you. I will not look at anybody else. I'm for you. I'm looking at you. I want you to be in a very close, intimate relationship with me. And here you are walking away from me. And you have allowed some other spirit to operate. 
what kind of a spirit we have is it the spirit of god is that the holy spirit who is present with us and operating in our lives or is it a some other spirit that has come in and we have not recognized it is there a spirit of prostitution long before anyone does an act of sin sin has been conceived in their hearts because there's a different spirit because there's in their spirit there has been corruption the mind has surrendered to things that are not good the mind has resisted the instructions and the teachings of god's word malachi chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16 god in fact uses the the analogy or the example of marriage relationship between a husband and a wife to speak about how what kind of a relationship that he expects from them if you read malachi chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16 has not the lord made them one in flesh and spirit they are his and why one because he was seeking godly offspring so god yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth I hate divorce says the Lord God of Israel and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment says the Lord almighty God is speaking about how he expects a complete allegiance that their heart their 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 spirit should not be corrupted in chapter 6 chapter 2 and verse 16 the last phrase says so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith God your spirit what you feed into your spirit man what goes on in the spirit of a man matters what goes on in your mind what goes on in your thoughts what goes on in your feelings in your emotions what you allow your spirit sometimes a spirit can get corrupted and the presence of the holy spirit can quietly leave God your spirit what's the spirit that has come in has there been is there any other foul spirit that has come in of late has there been any other kind of spirit that is operating in our minds because of our certain deeds things that have been influencing us god has made a covenant with us saying that he is faithful to keep that covenant he has betrothed us to himself but they prostitute themselves to foreign gods and bring offerings to god also read in malachi chapter 2 and verse number 12 as for the man who does this whoever he may be may the lord cut him off from the tents of jacob even though he brings offerings to the lord almighty you see verse 11 judah has broken faith a disabled thing has been committed in israel and in jerusalem judah has desecrated the sanctuary the lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god As for the man who does this whoever he may be may the lord cut him off from the tents of jacob even though he brings offerings to the lord almighty you see they are prostituting prostituting themselves by doing things that god would not approve of doing things that god would not approve of and also offering sacrifices to god right that is the spirit of prostitution and so he says guard yourself in your spirit 
Guard your spirit. Guard your spirit. What kind of a spirit is operating? Guard your spirit. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 25. Elijah is charging, challenging the people of Israel. 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They sound so much like Indians, don't they? They will say nothing. They will neither say yes nor no. They will neither say good nor bad. They said, if God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But they said nothing. How can we be without saying anything? Today, people want us to say nothing. Even if they do things that God will not approve of, we should say nothing. If we say nothing, then we are very good people. If we say nothing, he's a good pastor. That's a very good church. They will not say anything. The people said nothing. Why are they not saying anything? Because they want both. They want the best of the world and they want God also. They want to satisfy the pleasures of the world and pleasures of their own soul and also they want to be corrupted in their spirit and also have God also. That's what is called as a spirit of prostitution. And so what kind of a spirit? Guard yourself in, this, in your spirit. God is calling us to guard our spirit. Amen. Guard our spirit and say, I do not want to do anything that God would not approve of. I do not want to allow corruption in my spirit. And nobody knows when the spirit is corrupted. When the spirit is corrupted, nobody will know. It is very much inside, inward. Nobody knows. Guard yourself in your spirit. Ask God this morning, Lord, help me to guard my spirit. Help my family members to guard their spirit. Help them to guard their spirit. Help us not to allow our spirit to be corrupted. Amen. Time is against us. Let's quickly go on. Number two, what symptoms do you see? When God is raising such charges and saying, what spirit do you have? What are the symptoms do you see? How do you know the spirit is corrupted? Can we go more? Amen. Praise the Lord. Chapter 5 and verse 13. Some of the manifestations, there are many in Hosea, but I've picked up a few. Chapter 5 and verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his source, then Ephraim turned to Assyria and sent to the great king for help. But he's not able to cure you, nor able to heal your sores. Hosea chapter 5 and verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sores, then Ephraim turned to Assyria and sent to the great king for help, but he is not able to cure you nor able to heal your sores. Some symptoms are sickness and sores. May not be necessarily physical sickness 
or physical source may not be psoriasis. But there is a sickness, there are sores that have come. Things that have come and are persisting. Unhealthy things that have started to manifest. Things that are constantly paralyzing. Things that are making us not to be free. The things that are constantly itching. The things that are constantly tormenting. You know, when you are sick, you are, you're not free. Right? When it's something is itching, there's always an itch. You know, it, uh, it is so irritating. It is so frustrating. It is so difficult to manage with it. A painkiller will not subside its, that problem. Some medications will still not stop the itch. As soon as the cream gets dried up, it starts to itch again. Source, constant tormentation. There is no way out. It's constantly grinding. It's constantly tormenting us. And they were not just going through the sickness and sores. But Ephraim has turned now to Assyria. You see, they were uh, unfaithful to God. They are not dependent on God. They are turning to Assyria and sending to the, the great king for help. Looking to somebody else for help. Their dependency is not on God anymore. They are looking for help with the pagans. Signs. These are symptoms. Looking for help with, from the pagans. Looking for help from somebody else who is powerful and stronger. Some king. Somebody else who can come and help. But not turning to the prophets of God. Not turning to the word of God. Not turning to God. Not depending on God. Not crying out to God. Not praying to God. Not seeking for God's help and intervention. But looking for something else. Some other way to fix it. Looking for an alternative solution and not God. Looking to the pagans and the princes and the kings for help. These are the symptoms, sickness, sores, looking for others to help, for help. Chapter 5 and verse 13. Last part says, but he is not able to cure you, nor able to heal your sores. They look for an alternative way out. They look for an alternative source of help. They look for an alternative resource. But they will not pray. They will not seek the Lord. They will not humble themselves. They will not hear the word of God. And they will look for somebody who will listen to their sob stories. And not confront them of their sin. These are the symptoms that the spirit has corrupted. They will look to somebody who will listen to their sob stories. Some people like to cry and cry and tell them, tell others about their problems, but will not like anyone to confront them about their sin. And if somebody confronts them about their wrongdoing and about the things that God would not approve of what they do, they would not like it, but they would go to somebody else for help. They will go to someone else for comfort. Only those who will just listen to their stories. Oh, some king, somebody who, will, who looks very great in their eyes. Somebody who looks big in their eyes. Somebody who will listen to their stories. Oh, I have sickness, I have sores. 
but they will not go to the prophets who will confront them of their sin. Why have these sicknesses come? Why have the sores come? Why are they seeking for some other source of help? Because they do not like to humble themselves and get rid of the spirit of prostitution. Because if they go to the prophet of God, he will challenge them. He will brace charges against them. He will bring conviction to them about their spirit of prostitution. And so they're looking for some other source. These are the symptoms. I'm talking about symptoms for the spirit of prostitution. Sickness, sores, problems, sufferings, needs, and not looking for prophets of God. Not, do not like men of God. Do not like the word of God. Do not like prayer. And look for some other source of help. Look, at the, look for some other source of comfort. And only for somebody who will just listen to their sob stories and who will just pray for them. Oh God, wipe their tears, 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 wipe their tears. Every day some, somebody is needed to just wipe their tears. But why the tears? Because there's a spirit is corrupted and somebody needs to charge, raise that charge and bring conviction. And they would not like to receive that, but only somebody who will just wipe their tears. These are symptoms. Somebody who will just agree with us for everything. Somebody who questions our behavior. Somebody who questions our attitude. Somebody who questions our spiritual life. Somebody who questions our relationship with God. Oh, no, 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 no. These are symptoms of a spirit, corrupted spirit. But a person with the right spirit will say, instruct me. Proverbs, Solomon writes, a righteous man will say, instruct me, teach me. He will want correction. He will want discipline. He will be willing to learn. He will enjoy it. He will take great pleasure in it. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 4. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. They become less God-dependent and more self-dependent. They're wise in their own eyes. They do not like godly counsel. They do not like the word of God. They do not like the ways of God. They do not wait for God's leading. They do not wait for God's guidance. Neither do they find remedy in their own lives. They do not recover from their illnesses and things that are tormenting them. But they would go for help from so and find help, try to find help in sources where they want to find help, but they still will not find help at all. It will not solve their problems. It will not bring things to conclusion. It will not help them to overcome. It will not help them to experience victory in their lives. It will not help them to, you know, come out, out of their situations. It will not help them to triumph. And then in the decisions they have to make, they do it with their, own, with their own thoughts, with their own ideas, with their own wisdom. Wise in their own eyes. They set up kings without my consent. These are the symptoms. They take their own decisions. They want their decisions to prevail. They don't want to ask God. They don't want to see what the word of God is saying. They don't, don't, do not want to consult with the, with, for godly counsel. They want to do their own will. They see for what looks good in their eyes and they just want that. These are symptoms of a corrupted spirit. Chapter 8 and verse 7. 
they sow the wind they reap the whirlwind the stalk has no head it will produce no flaw were it to yield grain foreigners would swallow it up they don't see any blessing in life they don't see any results they sow empty stuff whatever they investing is just empty they sow the wind can you sow wind and they reap whirlwind whatever they're trying to do is by their own efforts is by their own strength and their own wisdom and they think that they are very wise and smart and doing the great things but whatever they're trying to do this they ultimately sowing only wind and they're reaping the whirlwind and when they plant something their stock if at all they plant a seed the stock has no head it produces no flaw there's no proper grain there's no good harvest even if at all there is some good that is done something they where they come in little closer to aligning with the ways of god it's still nothing is prospering these are symptoms and if at all the seed bears fruit and some grain comes out of it foreigners come and harvest it you see the different levels what they sow what they invest what they do what they expect to see what they desire to see whatever they attempt to do is just like nothing nothing is going in is this emptiness that is being sowed and whirlwind is being reaped and then if at all there is some seed that goes in something good something where they have prayed a little bit something where they attempted to please god in some way and did something that also it didn't doesn't produce fruit and even more if at all that also produced some kind of fruit the foreigner comes and eats it away nothing stays it's emptiness inside after everything that has been done after all the money that has been spent after all the investment that has been after all the energy that has been spent all the efforts that have been taken after all the heart that has been put into something it only comes out empty it leaves a person dry it leaves a person empty it leaves a person sleepless it leaves a person tormented no blessing that lasts there is no blessing a blessedness these are symptoms i've been talking about many of them symptoms chapter 9 in verse 7 there are many of them but we don't have time and so i'm quick, finishing quickly the days of punishment are coming the days of reckoning are at hand let israel know this because your sins are so many and your hostility so great the prophet is considered a fool the inspired man a maniac those who preach the word of god those who call people to repentance those who give instructions those who give godly counsel those who prophesy rightly by the inspiration of the holy spirit are considered maniacs and fools these are symptoms that a spirit is corrupted they live in hostility to the ministry of god's word and to servants of god they hostile they will resist they will not yield they will not submit they will not desire for them to uh, you know minister to them they resist ministry of god's word and god's servants these are signs symptoms of a corrupted spirit of a spirit of prostitutions 
what symptoms do you see this morning are there these kind of symptoms first we looked at what was a problem the spirit of prostitution and what does it look like and now we're specifically breaking that down to the symptoms this is how the spirit of prostitution manifests this is these are ways and means by which we can identify if there is a corruption in our spirit symptoms and then what steps will you take third question chapter 14 verses <coughs> 1 to 3 what steps will you take is there anybody this morning who is willing and ready to say i am ready to take whatever it takes i am willing to take steps hallelujah is there anybody this morning who says i'm willing to take steps amen hallelujah you don't even have to raise your hands but if you are just willing in your heart that's enough it's easy to raise a hand pentecostals have no difficulty with that or you may not try to raise one unless you don't want to be like to be a called or look like a pentecostal you may not like to raise your hand but raising hands is easy but to take the steps is difficult and that's the most important thing amen hallelujah let's look at the steps chapter 14 verses 1 to 3 return o israel to the lord your god your sins have been your downfall take words with you and return to the lord say to him see god is saying what we have to say to him he's feeding in the words for his people these are the steps say to him forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips hallelujah this is what he wants us to take these are the steps what else we should say verse 3 assyria cannot save us lord we will not mount war horses we will never again never again say our gods our gods in plural obviously means the other gods we will not say our gods to what our own hands have made for in you the fatherless find compassion you see the three areas they lacked in chapter 4 and verse 1 we read it they were unfaithful they did not love god they were not fully dependent on god the three things are mentioned here <coughs> assyria cannot save us we will not mount war horses that is a dependency we were, we are not going to say any more that we are dependent on ourselves we cannot do anything by ourselves we are completely dependent on you whatever is your will do it for our lives fully god dependent not thinking and doing things with our own earthly wisdom not saying oh it worked that way for everybody else so we will also do the same way not not listening to the counsel of the ungodly not looking for help from the pagans but saying god we are not going to go to the assyrians anymore we are not going to mount our own horses but we are going to be dependent on you the fatherless in you the fatherless find compassion they they felt like they were fatherless they've lost their love with god 
that love as a father has with the child. He's a heavenly father. They love that. They lost that love. And now they're coming back to that love and acknowledging and saying, Lord, in you, the fatherless find compassion. We are like, we've, we've been living like we don't have a father. We've lost our love relationship with you. We've lost that connection with you. And now we're connecting back with you in a true love relationship. We're coming back in our love to you. And we will never again say our gods. That's faithfulness. We've been unfaithful by going away to other things and prostituting ourselves to other things and prioritizing and giving glory to others and other things. We've been magnifying other things in our own eyes. We've been going after the things of this world. We've been going after whatever has been pleasing to our eyes and fulfilling our pleasures. Money and priorities and everything has been replaced by other gods. All these things are the other gods and they have replaced the God, the own and only God in whom we should love, whom we should have in our hearts. And so all these three things they are saying, God is saying, the three things which God charged them with, right at the beginning in chapter 4 and verse 1, the three things God is feeding them with the words and saying, take these steps. But these are not just prayers to be uttered. These are things to be acted. That's why I said step, steps that you will take. What steps will you take? What steps will you take? The first step is saying faithfulness. We will be faithful. We will not give any other thing more glory and priority. We will not value anything else more. For whatever you value more, you give your time, your energy and your money and your efforts. You pour your heart and your life into whatever you value. But if you value God, you will put everything there. Your time, your energy, your love, your heart will go after him. And so he's calling us to faithfulness. Secondly, to love. These are the steps to love him. In you, the fatherless, find compassion. And thirdly, dependency, complete dependency. We will not say Assyria, Assyria can save us. Neither Assyria nor Azaria. Nobody can save us. Amen. Only God. We are completely dependent on you. We have our horses, but we are not going to mount up on our horses. But we want to have you fight our battles. Hallelujah. We have some resources. We can find some help. We can go to somebody. We can call someone. We can speak to someone. We can, you know, mobilize something. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes and be found foolish in your eyes. But we want to be dependent on you. Our focus must be on our repentance and not on the removal of our troubles. The whole focus here is that in the steps that he is calling us to take, he is calling them to repentance and not just the removal of troubles. Today we are fighting and fighting and praying and fasting and asking God and expecting for problems to be solved. But if we focus on our heart and our right relationship with God, then the troubles he will take care. Hallelujah. And we also get upset with God. We also get annoyed with God because our problems are not getting solved. They were not unless we set our hearts right with God. Amen? Hallelujah. And 
So our focus must be to repent and not the removal of troubles. Our focus must be to ask God to receive us mercifully. Forgive us all our sins and receive us graciously so that we may offer the fruit of our lips. <coughs> These are also to put into their mouths not to move God but to oblige Him but to oblige him to show them mercy, but to move themselves. People are trying to get God to do things, but we just need to move ourselves and position ourselves in the right place, have the right spirit. And we need to, we need to identify that we have an obligation to return to our duty to him. We have an obligation to return to our duty to him. And here is the most satisfying experience that you will have, the assurance. And so in conclusion, what is satisfying assurance you can find in God? That is what you find from verses 4 to 9. I will heal their waywardness. You saw we talked about sickness and sores, right? I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. And my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. Due, due to Israel. He will be like due to us, like the fresh morning mist that comes and settles so beautifully that makes the grass and the plants flourish and blossom and be so beautiful and, and, and grow. He will, see the whole thing is about fruitfulness. If you read from verses 5 to 8, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down its roots and his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine. His fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. Oh Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I, will, I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Hallelujah. Finally, he, his, our fruitfulness comes from him. Amen. He will make you to prosper. He will make you to grow. He will make you to flourish. He will make you to be a blessing to others. He will make others to come and take shade in you. He will make you what he wants you to be. All your desires, your aspirations, he will fulfill. He will make that happen for you. You don't have to sweat it out. You come in alignment with the right spirit and guard your spirit. Identify the symptoms this morning and take the necessary steps that you need to take where you become more faithful and loving towards God and love him with all your heart and not love anything else and become completely dependent on him. Ask him for everything. Ask him for every decision. Let him guide you. Let him counsel you. Let the prophets of God, let the word of God teach you. Let the spirit of God lead you. And then you will see you will begin to prosper and flourish. You have a great assurance this morning, brother, sister. You can go home with this one big assurance that God will make us fruitful. Hallelujah. It is his job. He will work out fruitfulness for us. We just get rid of the spirit of prostitution. Identify the symptoms and take the right steps. He assures you with the fact that will satisfy you greatly. He will make you very fruitful.
verse 9 is a concluding concluding challenge who is wise he will realize these things who is discerning he will understand them the ways of the lord are right the righteous walk in them but the rebellious stumble in them amen that says it all shall we pray may i request pastor thomas to please come forward and close us in prayer Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Praise you Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Amen. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you Lord. Thank you Master. Oh, thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures.